for the Faith FM Breakfast Show with your hosts, Lyle and Lawson. But not because so Lawson's not. here. Well, I'm here. You're there. But Lyle's not. He's, he's in whoop whoop right now. No, he's probably having a great time uh, yeah. hanging out in Stewart's Point and yeah, hanging out at the beach. And, and Blake, they're all up there. You know, they're yeah. spending some time together. Some special ministers meeting. We were kind of like left behind. You know, we didn't get invited. <laughs> we're not the best one. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> apparently not. But you're here with Lawson and Monica. And I have to ask Monica, yeah. what are you grateful for this oh. morning? Grateful to be alive, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I was driving along and, um, yeah, I had a little, little pea plater next to me in the left side of me. And, uh, Classic. Did not check their blind spot and almost collected me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just my heart started thumping out of my chest, broke out into a stress sweat. <laughs> was a pretty yeah. hectic situation. That's the situation in which if they're going to collect you, you just collect them back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you just, you just swerve into them and, and they'll turn before you do. This is that's the tactics, bro. <laughs> oh my! No, I I, I, um, I stood on my horn and I stood on my brakes and praise the Lord. Um, we did not connect. Um, but nice, yeah, nice, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, what about awesome. you? <laughs> okay, yesterday I went and picked my friend Joe up from the airport, and Ooh. he's actually so my friend Joe is living here in Australia, and his parents have come over from China to mm-hmm. Australia, and they, uh, they you know they've built a house over here and they're they're living, and I come back to Joe's place after picking him up from the airport. To the most epic Chinese meal, oh. handmade noodles oh. from scratch. Like it was, it was the Dude. most epic, amazing thing ever. Why and they're like, "Come, me? come every day." That's what they said. They were like, "Come Can every you take day." Me every and I'm day? like, "Yes, yes, I will." I will. over the address. I will. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Well, in today's news, we're going to be talking about international religious news, particularly in India, where they have just passed a law. Okay, the government has just passed a law that has forbidden all extramarital sex. Oh, wow. Uh, And has, yeah, uh, civil penalties attached to it. We're going to be talking about that and some other things. And right now, we have our first question for the quiz. What land was Jacob and his family living in when the famine came? Oh, mm. yeah. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. If you think you know the answer to that one, mm-hmm. uh, the prize is coming up at the end of the week, and it's that beautiful uh, journal study Bible, mm-hmm. the vegan Bible, as well. Yeah, the vegan it. Bible, gorgeous Bible with like a. I want. I, I was thinking like this might not be like gold edging on the edge of the pages. It looks almost like coppery brass yeah. and bronze. Oh, it's and beautiful. beautiful. And it goes really nicely with the brown uh, um, vegan leather cover. Mm. So this is a gorgeous, gorgeous Bible. It has like wide-lined margins so that you can write your notes, write your thoughts, um, write you know your praises or your prayer mm. requests, all that kind of stuff. Um, it also has a lot of um, cross-referencing, extensive cross-referencing, so you can expand your knowledge and your love mm. for God's Word. It's a beautiful journal study Bible. And we're going to give you it for free because we want you to read the Bible. Yeah, it's an NKJV reference comfort print Mm -hmm. Bible. That's right. Yeah. But you just have to get one answer right, at least one answer this Mm -hmm. week sometime. Uh, So that question this morning, again, is what land was Jacob and his family living in when the famine came? 0491-064-669. Monica, what is happening in the world of positively different news? I have such an incredible story. This is even blowing my mind. Um, so this is coming from the U.S. and this is mm-hmm. about a um, a pair of twins, well, a, a set of twins, uh-huh. uh, little Poppy and little Winnie, 
And this is cra- – get this right. I didn't even know this was possible. In While they were still in the womb, one of the twin sisters saved the other sister's life. Uh, okay. Did she yeah. pull out a defibrillator? <laughs> and, we were talking about this yesterday. Like, what, did she give CPR? <laughs> yeah, stand aside. I've got to defib my sister. No. <laughs> Um, so what she actually did was um, she sent out distress signals, which prompted the doctors to deliver them early, uh, which turned out to be critical for the other twin mm. survival. So uh, Poppy uh, – and the crazy thing about this is that one – I've never seen this before. I didn't know this was a thing, but one of the twin sisters is like three times smaller than the other one. Oh, wow. Yeah, but it's the smaller one who was going up to bat for the big one. Mm. So the smaller one, Poppy, Poppy McBride, her heart rate began to waver on the monitor at 30, mm. 31 weeks and five days into the pregnancy, which, um, which the doctors say forced them to deliver her and her twin Winnie. Um, and despite being the smaller one, she was one pound 11 ounces. What? When she came out, she was perfectly healthy and there was nothing wrong with her heart. So for those of you not sure what size is, that's about the size. It's smaller than one of those Elf on the Shelf dolls. That is tiny. tiny. Um, so doctors doctors had never been concerned about her bigger sister, Winnie, though, because um, she weighed more than three times that of Poppy. She was three pounds and eight ounces. But when she came out, she emerged with underdeveloped lungs and was immediately whisked away into the intensive care unit. Mm. And so doctors are saying that the Poppy saved her sister's life because if they'd waited any longer to deliver the twins, Winnie would not have made it. Mm. So, yeah, they, she still had to have surgery at 14 days old to be able to um, relieve a buildup of fluid on her brain, mm. but she has since fully recovered. Um, so, yeah, the mum uh, who lives in Lake Jackson, Texas, she said that doctors told us your tiny twin saved her sister's life. Wow. Uh, so Poppy's heart rate had been all over the place. They had to deliver, but when she was born, she was completely fine. So it turns mm. out she was just sending out distress signals because she knew her sister wouldn't survive if they weren't mm. delivered. Isn't that incredible? That's awesome. Yeah, just uh, babies like have the intelligence to even know that in the womb, to sense mm. that. And I know people often talk about that special connection that twins have, but even to have it at like – that young of an age and then to do something about, you know, just 31 weeks. Yeah, I know. God is just incredible the way he's created us. It really is. So how old are these guys now? Um, so they're now, uh, one and a half. Oh, um, no, sorry, not one and a half. They're now six months. Uh Sorry. Just reading the wrong thing, uh-huh. but she uh, apparently Poppy still takes care of Winnie, even though she's still quite a bit smaller. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, but now, now both twins have nothing wrong with them. They're the best of fen- friends, and they're thriving. Um, they're very clever. Apparently, uh, Winnie is smarter than average. She can read uh, books from memory, um, even at her little tiny age. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, um, and they're they're apparently best friends. And she said, Mum said that she tried to move their beds apart recently, and they weren't having it. Oh, okay, that's <laughs> so, cute. yeah. They're, they're super close. Um, yeah, absolutely adorable. Uh, go online and have a look at them. By the way, there's some incredible pictures of the two of them oh, next to each other. One is way bigger. Yeah, than the other. you would never think they were sisters, right? It'd be like maybe an older cousin or something. That's but, right. Yeah. Yeah, mind blowing. I don't. I didn't know that. Maybe it's a common thing to have like one twin born bigger than the other. Who knows? Yeah. Um. Anyway. Yeah. Like they're probably going to be like fraternal, but for identical twins, uh, they would be. Yeah. They'd probably need to be born the same size for them to I stay. Identical. These ones are identical. Okay. Yeah, yeah. As they've gotten older, you can sort of see in their faces. Look, look here's a picture with their other cute with their baby blue eyes. They're super duper cute. Super cute. cute but yeah. okay, but. Because Poppy is so much smaller than Winnie, I'm wondering if they'll catch up. I'm wondering that as well. You never know. 
You never know. And and Poppy will go on to become incredible. Go on to become like a six foot seven WNBA player or something. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) But I just want to say, you know what? Looking at this story in the light of what's going on recently with abortion, it really Mm. makes you rethink that. Yeah. Yeah. If 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 a, a baby in the womb can go so far as to first of all recognize that their 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 sibling needs life help, life threatening help, and then actually doing something about it makes you think before you end one of those lives or both of them. Yeah, and of course we know that this is a very touchy subject mm. and we know that everyone has a past and we're sympathetic to that. And Absolutely. if you need someone to talk to about that, you can give a call to 131114, which is the lifeline number. Absolutely. Mm. Okay, next story. This is so cool. Lawson, Uh I know that you're like like a little bit younger than me, Uh yeah, but have you ever in your little life, sorry, not little, but in your young life, (laughs) in your young life. Are you calling me short? Is that what that is? No, no, no. no. Have you ever actually handwritten a letter? Yes. Oh, you have? Yeah, to Santa when I was like oh. five. <laughs> uh, so and then, so I I have like a weird thing with my hands actually, like particularly when I was younger and my writing was really terrible, like almost illegible. And it really affected like my grades at school and everything. Oh. And the teachers thought I was like kind of just below average mm-hmm. until I got into high school and I started typing everything because I, I oh. went to see a physio and I had all these problems with my hands. Oh. It was like a underdeveloped muscle oh, thing, okay. like pre-puberty. Uh-huh. And then I got into high school and I started typing and then all of a sudden I'm get like all A's. So, okay. so, right. so, so. Might be the wrong person. So I'm this. like, I'm not like, even now, like yeah, I just don't write at all because okay. it's just not my, I signed I, my name, but. Yeah. I think I am just astonished at how little handwriting your generation and younger does. Dude, for real. Yeah. I, was, I haven't I haven't handwritten so other than like a form, mm-hmm. like in terms of going out of my way to intentionally handwrite something, it's every time there's a farewell card. Oh yeah. For like a workplace or a uni friend or whatever. But outside of that, like literally never. I never practically use handwriting. I like literally the beginning of this year I purchased an exercise book just so I can handwrite. That's just, it. Just work on my handwriting because I, I miss handwriting. Anyway, speaking of handwriting, the world's oldest pen pals have turned mm. 100 after 84 years of transatlantic letters and they're now meeting on Zoom where the kids are meeting. Oh, Isn't that so that's cool? Cute. So six years longer than the previous um, Guinness World Record holder. Um, <clears throat> yeah, 80, over 80 years. Excuse me. When did they start writing letters? 1938, when they were just 16 years old, when their school had an educational project that sought to connect British and American students, and they've still been corresponding 84 years later. So they're like writing about World War II, literally while writing about the Korean War, War, exactly writing about Vietnam, kept in touch through the wars, writing about Watergate. So this is Jeff Banks from Devon, England, and American Celeste Byrne from New Jersey, and um, yeah, they said they they got connected in their program, and even throughout all the wars, which you know sometimes. The letters got backlogged and then sent after the war was finished. Sometimes they still kept in touch, never turned anything romantic, just you know, been a friend okay. to, to have a listening ear. That would be cute, though. Yeah, no, they both married their own uh, uh, people in their own countries mm. and stuff. They only met for the first time when they turned 80. And, uh, and he went for a visit to New York. So that's when they met for the first time. That is crazy. Yeah, and that was already after 64 years. I wonder of if they know what they look like at that point. 
That's did, a good did, they, did they send I, photos? They probably sent photos. Yeah, they sent it yeah. to the memorabilia from like um, like he sent her a, a letter from a coronation or something like 1953 mm. uh, newspaper and um, and yeah and sometimes she addresses to both him and his wife and writes oh, them both okay. a letter kind of a thing. Um, yeah, and uh, but yeah, they recently had their first Zoom call thanks to the grandkids just hooking them up. And and yeah, and they said it was nice to hear each other's voices. Mm. Um, but yeah, even though his wife passed away eleven years, it hasn't turned romantic. But what a wonderful story! Eighty-four years of letter writing—that is so. They epic. should publish those in like some sort of museum piece. Called, I'm sure they still have them all. Called correspondence. Yeah, there you go. You're welcome. I already gave you the title. It's award-winning. You're welcome. <laughs> You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. You're going to have another question for the quiz. I don't know why you had to punctuate it like that, but yes, we I just are. wanted to make sure people know what we're doing. <laughs> oh, okay, right. Okay. Really get into it because this is their opportunity <clears throat> to win something that, yeah, amazing. Yeah. Which book tells of the travels and works of the apostles? Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Simple one. 0491 What is our prize for this week, Monica? It is a beautiful Journal of the Word reference Bible. It's in comfort print and, uh, yeah, wide margins, cross-references, mm. just a beautiful, beautiful Bible. Yeah. Mm. For yourself or for someone else. Christmas the, is coming up, folks. Right. This would be a really lovely present to receive. You know, we've come into a time where we celebrate Christmas, and not to sound cliché, Mm. But we need to remember the reason for the season, guys. Amen. And if you want anything to be able to do that, it's a Bible. Yeah. If, if you need anything to do that, and it's a perfect gift for someone or for yourself, mm-hmm. Merry Christmas. We're giving mm-hmm. you a Bible. Yeah. But hey, 0491 Look, is if you even need to get a present to stick in a secret Santa, we won't judge. We won't. <laughs> yeah. We won't. Yeah. We won't. In fact, no one would judge you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if they did judge you, then shame on those people. <laughs> like, <laughs> But... What was that question again? Which book of the Bible tells of the travels and works of the apostles? Mm-hmm. Mm, travels and works of the apostles. Book of the Bible. Okay. In news today, I talked about a little bit. Uh, Indonesia, the government there is mostly Islamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and definitely in the last 20 years, they have gone down the route of religious conservatism, which is interesting because Indonesia is situated in Southeast Asia and around Indonesia in terms of, you know, the country surrounding it, whether it's uh, the Philippines or whether it's, you know, somewhere like Thailand or whatever it is, there's lots of countries in that area and there seems to be a very broad spectrum of religion there. Like the Philippines is mostly Roman Catholic, uh, Thailand, I believe, is mostly Buddhist and whatnot. You've got Malaysia, which kind of is in the middle. Uh, you've got a government that is uh, Islamic, but then, you know, on the other side, you've got lots of lots of Buddhist people because they have such a big Chinese influence in Malaysia. Indonesia, though, the government has taken over uh, this, this Islamic government, and uh, it, it has gone to, you know, see that Indonesia has become a mostly... Islamic nation. Uh, there has been some teething issues as a result of that, whether it be the Bali bombings or whatever it may be, which is incredibly sad to see religious fighting and, and persecution and, and extremism like that. But we've come to a time in which Indonesia is in a period of relative peace in regard to religion. They have this conservative Islamic government 
And they're starting to stretch their limbs a little bit and go, okay, well, you know, what legislation can we put in place? And the last legislation to be passed uh, very, very recently, actually yesterday, was that they have approved a new criminal code that bans anyone in the country from having premarital sex or even living together. Wow. Now, to have premarital or extramarital sex, that includes, like, adultery uh, as well, is you can be jailed for up to one year. And to live with someone whom you're not married to or related with, uh, before, like, like in a in a romantic relationship, there is a six month penalty, uh, the six month jail time essentially oh. attached to that too. Now, as a result of this being passed, there has been many people protesting in the streets, uh, protesting in Jakarta, the capital, saying that this is overreach by the government, and this is the combining of church and state. Uh, This is the government legislating religious ideals. And to be honest, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Uh, We live in a country here in Australia, which is in regards to sexual morality is probably one of the loosest countries on Mm -hmm. earth. I want to caveat that by saying like, we're pretty hard on sexual crimes, Mm -hmm. like, like, you know, Non like non consensual sex and and whatnot, but I mean in regards to like marriage and how that relates to sex, we are very secular, incredibly yeah. secular, incredibly loose. People can do whatever they like. You're classified as a legal partner with someone if you live with them. You don't even need to get married, and you guys can share pretty much everything. Uh, represent together as as a as a you know legal being group that kind of thing. But yeah, in Indonesia, they have made this step uh, to, yeah, jail people if they commit this, what to them is a crime. I'm just mind-boggled as to how they think they're even going to police that. <laughs> it's like, should they have to catch them in the act? Like, how? Like, what, how? Now, that's a really good question. So there are definitely critics to this law. They're saying this is infringement on human rights. It's going to become a he said, she said situation. That's well, what I'm worried about. Well, this about. is the deal. Those who support this legislation have said, no, 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 no. We're, we've put in the right amount of measures to be able to make this fair. The the only people who can put in a complaint and, and lodge a report that people are committing this crime, outside of, like, the police catching you, which is something that they're not going to run around going after mm-hmm. uh, because they just simply can't. It's, it's literally impossible. But they're like, okay, no, we only respond to complaints. The only complaints that are legitimate are complaints from someone's spouse, so say they're having extramarital say someone's committing adultery, mm-hmm. someone's spouse, someone's kids, or someone's family. I still think there's a lot of wiggle room there for abusing that. Exactly. For example, two people get together mm-hmm. and their parents disapprove. And disapprove. Par- yeah, and the parents can just be like, oh, they had sex, chuck him in jail because we don't want our daughter marrying. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So it, it's along with these laws as well that have passed through is some uh, some new blasphemy laws as well which whenever a country goes down that route mm-hmm. we just see extreme religious persecution particularly in areas can we, can we just say that that we think abstinence before marriage is a good idea yeah, uh, to practice of your own volition absolutely yeah, i was i was going to that as a standard like 100% and yeah. like keeping it inside a marriage you know not engaging in adultery Amen, 100%. Definitely a good idea. Legislating that? Yeah. Mm. And policing that and giving civil penalties. Now, this is the thing. When we come to the Bible, we see that... It's interesting because these laws are coming from an Islamic 
background. When we come to the Bible, we see that there were times in which, like, for example, in the Bible, like, rape carried the death penalty. Um, extramarital sex didn't. Like, if it was in an adulterous context where two people who were married got together, it would carry very harsh penalties up to the death penalty. Uh, but then we see if two people are unmarried and get together before marriage, there was just a higher price mm-hmm. that the man would have to pay mm-hmm. for the woman. So there was more work that he needed to do. There was more gold that he needed to pay. There was more cows. Like there was a higher dowry uh, as a result of that. We're talking about cows and dowry yesterday. Uh, <laughs> but the Bible says this. The Bible says this. Uh, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled. Amen. Amen. For God will judge the sexual immoral and the adulterous. God will judge. Now, I don't think that this is legislation that can, or this is a a philosophy that can extend to every crime. For example, you can't just say it's okay that people murder each other because ultimately God will judge. Yeah. There are simply things that you do that harm people to such an extent that you have forfeited your right to be a part of society. And whether that looks like jail time, and for me, I'd like that to look like jail time, or even extending to the death penalty, in some cases, you commit a crime that is so harmful, you've, you've, you've forfeited your right to be a part of society. Now, when it comes to two people consenting to have sex, even before marriage, and as much as I don't agree with that, and as much as I don't want to see that, and as much as we can look at all the statistics that go along with that, the harm that comes from that, the shorter marriages that are a result of that, uh, the or everything there, I, I fully don't agree. But legislating people, forcing people um, to not do something like this, it's I, I think it's too much. Now, that being said, we've talked a bunch on the show about prohibition and particularly like the mm. prohibition. I was actually about to say, I wonder, like, I wonder if they did a study like to follow up with this, to follow along with this as to how STIs in Indonesia will go now. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Because we see, we saw in the United States uh, when prohibition was enacted, mm-hmm. there was a s- severe drop in, in health issues, in health issues yeah. and domestic violence, mm-hmm. which is good. We'll have to see and we'll have to monitor what happens as a result of this, whether there'll be an increase or a decrease or civil unrest or more rioting. We'll see what happens yeah. because it'll be, it'll be really interesting to know. I think my philosophy still doesn't change in regards to this particular issue, sexual immorality. Like, okay, obviously, yeah, rape is wrong. Child molestation is wrong. Like, we've talked about these things. They're terrible. But yeah, sex between two condemning, uh, consenting adults should that be legislated against? Should people be thrown in jail as a result of doing that? We'd like to know your opinion. 0491-064-669. Please text us and let us know what you think about this. Is this overreach from the government or is it not? You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Another question for the quiz. How many books in the New Testament... Use the name of Jesus. We are talking about the KJV version, the King James Version. Uh-huh. So how many books in the New Testament use the name of Jesus in the KJV Bible? 0491 064 You're looking absolutely confused, Lawson. Is it? 
Is it not the obvious answer? Mate, who knows? I, what I say? Wow, that is that is tricky. <laughs> okay, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text you know the answer to that one. If you do, you go into the draw to win our amazing prize for this week, which is just the most epic Bible that you could possibly receive. We're going to give it to you for free. Yeah. Just How many books in the New the Testament question. use the name of Jesus in the NKJV? Sorry. In the KJV. In the KJV. The NKJV is the one we're giving Ooh. away. The KJV is the one that this question is about. Damn, that is that is a tough one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it's so obvious, but then it's it's not. <laughs> but right if now... If it was obvious, it wouldn't be a quiz question. That's the <laughs> that's thing. That's right. That's right. Ooh. <laughs> but hey, right now we have come to the part of the show where we have a guest interview and we have our regular, our favorite psychologist, Jennifer Skews. Jennifer, are you there with us? I am. I hope you can hear me okay. Oh, we can hear you. Coming in loud and clear. Well. How oh, are you, Jennifer? Good morning. And we've, oh, we've, I'm really good. Thank you. We've it's got Monica in the studio with us as well, who's, I don't know, appara- yeah. apparently besties now. She's, I am one of Jennifer's clients now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I can attest that she is a wonderful therapist and it's been really helpful for me. So, yeah, definitely kudos to Jennifer. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. Jennifer, we've been making our way all through the brain and different things it does and different responses we have and different situations that come up. And the question is, well, what are we going to talk about today? Right. Well, today I'm going to have a look at other factors that affect our mental and emotional health because it's more than just the brain and the mind that uh, we have to look at. And we've been doing quite a lot of work on looking at changing the the beliefs and those free ways of information that drive us nuts, getting off those free ways, putting in new beliefs. So that's part of it. Um, so I guess you could say, what are the external, internal factors that influence us really on a daily basis? And there are many of them, mm. and they're things that we can actually do something about. Yes. So maybe you can both think of what are some of the things that affect your mood other than just the way you think. Exercise. You think it's when I eat. Yeah, when you eat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we can do Going for a walk. Yes. Uh, external <laughs> factors, getting complimented. Definitely. Okay, good feedback. And definitely shopping. the pattern of that. <laughs> <laughs> shopping therapy? Well, I don't know. It depends on whether you can afford it or not. No. <laughs> True. <laughs> So there's lots of things. So I'm going to go over some of those. We can talk about them and look at how they affect you because they affect everybody. Mm. Okay, we've looked at the negative thoughts and beliefs and um, our distorted thinking patterns, but there's different um, continuums of that. And one of them is the optimist and the pessimist. Uh-huh. And then, yeah. So if you're an optimist, you're going to have much better well-being than if you're a pessimist because sure. it's. Um, yeah, so just things like that. And people don't realise they have a pessimistic outlook. You know, I had one friend who used to say to me, oh, if it's going to happen, it'll happen to me. And that's a very oh. pessimistic outlook. And it did. It was self-fulfilling prophecy. We can mm. actually dial up what we think and believe all the time. Or mm. that, that's your mindset. Once you have that mindset, what you look at is all the things that are going to go wrong and you don't look at the things that went right. So you justify. Yeah, so. I th- I th- I think that's a really good point. I think bad things pretty much happen to everyone all the time. And, Absolutely. And good things happen to pretty much everyone all the time. And it really yes. just depends at what you consider to be more impactful to you. Right, yeah. Yes, absolutely. So 
that's sort of one of the things. And, of course, that involves personality as well. Um, so some personalities, and you know, we've got different terms, the term melancholy. Some people are more on the melancholy side, therefore they can more easily get depressed mm. than someone who is more um, you know, optimistic about, again, about their life. So the, our mindset, and some of that is not just, it can be from birth, it's about a 50-50 split. So we are born with the personality factors, but whether we use them or lose them and the external influences will determine personality as well as our levels of security, particularly prior to two years of age, attachment, healthy, unhealthy, things like that will determine whether we become more controlling or whether we develop the personality in a more positive or negative way. So um, the personality is important. For example, you've probably heard of people called thrill seekers, and they are people who have this, uh, and as part of the personality, the love of adrenaline. Me. When you get onto adrenaline, you're going to get a high, yeah. but then there's a corresponding low. So this is where mm. you can see that that affects us. So just personality has a lot to do with it, and it's um, looking. Some people like to look at their personality and go, "Well, what am I doing with it?" That's the right thing. That's positive. So we can mm. actually enhance the good side of our personality, which improves our well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, so. That might be something that the listeners might like to think about. Well, that's good um, because I'm totally like a thrill seeker. I want to go fast and jump off <laughs> tall things and rough it out. Like that's that's my life, and I love. Absolutely, do not complete opposite. I like mine is different, but that's me. But then it's like, oh, okay, that's good, and that's enjoyable, and that's awesome, and that's fun. But how do we have that other side of sustaining? Not necessarily sustaining the high, but just continuing to be functional despite not doing thrill-seeking yes. So being able to function when you know you, 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 don't, you can't be in a thrill-seeking mode all the time. You burn Absolutely. out. Yeah. So, and then you're going to have mental, emotional health problems, obviously. Mm. So it's a balance. So if you are a thrill-seeker, like you know, you've shared that with me before, then obviously you have to make yourself take some downtime, whereas oh. people have too much downtime have to make sure they do things of interest that they enjoy. So, again, it's that continuum of the personality and what we like to do or what helps us to pick up our mood. So it's what I call a balancing act. Um, One of the other factors, I've got a heap of them here, uh, negative emotions. People who live in a lot of fear, for example, are going to be highly anxious. Yes. People who have emotional wounds are going to feel hurt or angry. They might overreact to things. So. Again, the emotional makeup or the feelings we have can also determine our well-being and where we go with it. So mm. I think uh, being aware of your emotions. You know, some people I say, oh, how are you feeling? I go, I don't know. So I've got a really good little chart with lots of faces on that show you the range of emotions mm. because we have a huge range of emotions. So it's not about um, living on emotions, but it's understanding them and being what I call self-aware, observing. Mm. And people think, oh, what's wrong with me? And I say, well, you know, what's happened and how might you be feeling? Oh, I just feel really discouraged, for example. And then we can look at why you discourage and let's deal with it and then they pick up again. Mm. So mm. And, um, we can have those what we call pesky feelings and get on that emotional roller coaster. Mm. Um, another major factor is stress. Um, so what do, you, what do you think stress is if uh, we talk about stress? 
I think it's like, I think stress is just uh, a negative re- emotional response to your responsibilities of life. So um, yeah, you have like certain responsibilities, yeah. things you need to do. And for some reason you have a negative emotional response to doing those things. That That's okay. my perspective. That is stressful. But the actual definition of stress is to do with the physiology. So when we, yeah, which is interesting, and it involves those emotions, but the actual stress response is the fight-flight response when we have adrenaline or something. But I'm not talking about the thrill-seeking side. I'm talking about something happens and we have a stress response, which, for example, driving down the road, someone shoots out on the, say, the, the slope, and you immediately have that stress response, which is a good thing. Because if you didn't, you wouldn't have the adrenaline and cortisol that helps you to put the foot on the brake and avoid the, an accident. That so, literally happened to Monica yeah, yesterday. We yeah. were talking about it this morning. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. collected. <laughs> oh, that's so awful, isn't it? It's so stressful. It really you is. Can, mm-hmm. Yes. But if you keep, for example, when you're driving, and you might have found that, Monica, when you're driving after that event, if you don't reduce the impact of that adrenaline and actually bring it down to back, take it off that um, fear response that protected you and yet level it out, then you're going to be driving around hypervigilant and looking for it to happen again and you're more likely to have an accident. So Mm. one of the best ways to do that is the breathing, calming the heart, doing some slow, deep breathing, rubbing the chest area just to calm it down and then you will be resetting fight-flight response and out of the stress response. That's actually okay. exactly what I did because that's what you taught me to do. <laughs> I, did, I, did the, I did the heart rubbing, I did the deep breathing, and I also um, sprayed that calming spray that um, you told me about. Would that work for like a prolonged stress response? For example, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I Earlier this year, just before the semester ended, I had an exam and all of a sudden on the morning exam, I just had this overwhelming feeling that I wasn't prepared. Now, funnily yeah. enough, I went into my exam and I did really, really well. So that, that's fine. But in the morning of, I had this overwhelming feeling like I, I haven't studied enough. I haven't, I'm not going to do a good job. I'm going to fail yeah. this class. And I was just like, I was stressed, man. Like I was just, just out of my brain. Is, is that, do you respond to that in a similar way? Well, that is the same response you're going to fight flight because it's a fear response, fear of failure. You listen to what you were telling yourself. I won't pass. I'll fail the course. I'm not prepared. All negatives. There was not one positive. Mm. So you didn't go, hang on, I've set previous exams and I've done really well and I actually have done a lot of study. You didn't reverse that. So your brain was, was going into what we call survival mode and hitting the adrenaline button and you were actually preparing to fight or flight, but you didn't. You had to go to the exam, but you carried that stress. Mm. So if you had rethought things and calmed the body down, as we were talking about there with some breathing and calming, and refocused the thinking, you would have gone in with more confidence. Mm. But that's a typical stress response. Now, if you maintain the stress response, so say you're driving around, as we said, and... uh, you, like Monica didn't do what she said she did to calm down, you would then keep driving and you would be hypervigilant, you would keep hitting that button, you'd go home, you'd probably talk about, oh, guess what happened to me today and it was awful and I'm still stressed. So we maintain it. 
and we must not maintain it because some people, um, when it's a really big stress factor, or and it might be financial, you have a look at COVID and what's yeah. happening, isolation, all these things are highly stressful, but they're maintained. So unless you learn to get off that fight-flight response because of it, and sadly, a lot of fear was generated by media and other sources that mm. made it worse for people. So we have to learn to step back and look at ourselves and not do that. Mm. If you maintain it, you go into burnout. Mm. And then you go depression, anxiety, can't cope, um, energy flags. So that takes a long time. You have to really maintain that stress for a long time. Usually, unless you're not well anyway, then it doesn't take as long. Mm. So uh, I don't know if you've ever been in burnout. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. I would I'd say like a couple of years ago, I experienced that with my studies. Like I was just so stressed all the time about meeting mm-hmm. deadlines and whatnot. And I had stretched myself a little bit thin, like outside of my study as well. Yeah. I was like doing some work. And <laughs> okay. I, I, it honestly, it led me to defer for a period of time mm-hmm. because I was like, yeah. I can't even think about my uni. I can't look at an email. Yeah. I can't think yeah. about studying without cringing. Well, that's typical burnout pattern because you've overdone it and your brain is in that negative thinking mode and you are overwhelmed Mm. and that leads to that burnout. And you actually start to physically go down. The brain can't focus. Um, You end up starting to burn out emotionally. You start isolating. Your performance level goes down. So, And this is all about, of course, our mental, emotional well-being. So I've been through burnout as well. A lot of people have. Um, you have to learn from it and learn how not to. And if you don't, you're going to keep going through it. So burnout definitely impacts our mental and emotional health, well-being and balance. Mm. So the, the answer is if you know you're carrying stress or you keep stressing and you can't work it out, get some professional help or there's some great resources online, on YouTube, stress management, and some of the basic skills just make such a big difference. Amazing. So you don't have to listen to it. Mm, Jennifer, um, Jennifer, we've run out of time this morning. Thank you for your recommendations, okay. though, because I, I think that's something that definitely a lot of listeners will take up and say, yeah, I don't, I don't want to get burned out, so let's do something <laughs> about it. Thank you so much. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.